in the context of nutrition is completely exploited by diet culture in that we see balanced diets as another set of rules to follow. There's a way that we're meant to do this rather than considering what our own version of that might be. Maybe this is something you've never even considered before and that's not your fault. We are so indoctrinated to truly believe there is one way to eat that is so-called right. My colleague and Instagram friend in New York, Shauna Spence, a Hayes aligned registered dietitian nutritionist, talked to me about this from her own perspective. Balance, I think it's so individual depending on the person, but I think it sort of got lost in translation in diet culture. Um, I don't know if uh, people remember this. I think it's still like a thing now where you heard of like the 80-20 rule um, and people are talking about that being balance and also moderation. When we're talking about this concept of a balanced diet, what actually may be hidden there is a weight loss pursuit. And that's why food, nutrition, and weight are often really hard to extricate as concepts. Because for instance, I hear this frequently, especially socially, people talk about the healthism concept, that moral obligation we feel to pursue health, talking about wanting to eat well, having a good diet, but really we're talking about shrinking our bodies. That's the goal. And it's also critical here to acknowledge that diet culture's demonized version of balance absolutely reeks of privilege and ableism. It's another area that Shauna and I discussed where organic foods are deemed superior, where frozen, canned, and even packaged foods, foods, which is so many foods, are apparently not good enough. Specifically, Shauna shared how after the COVID-19 pandemic hit, particularly in the US and so many people's livelihoods were impacted, the diet culture message still going strong is to eat organic, that that's how to help yourself. So we're understandably left thinking that eating conventional fruits and vegetables, or dare I say salad from a bag, is apparently bad for us. How did we get here where, you know, we're, we're just like constantly um, demonizing, which I know like sometimes sounds like a strong word, but it's true. We're, yep. We always demonize packaged foods. And I don't understand why, (laughs) you know, because, um, yes, they're different levels and, you know, there's nothing wrong with liking something like chips or, you know, the Mm. potato chips, um, you know, whatever it is, but salads come in packages also. And (laughs) even, and yes, we have to think about the, you know, the disabilities, but also like we're adults and some of us don't have time to chop and prep. And And it's like, if you're getting your vegetables or fruit or whatever it is that way, perfect. You know, I'm I'm like a bit big advocate of frozen canned foods. You know, people were coming out saying, well, you know, that's why people need to eat organic foods. And that's oh, why, goodness. you know, that's that was the whole thing. And it drove me nuts because we have people who didn't have access to any food. And mm-hmm. I'm like, these people, you really think that someone who lost their job, right, because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. who might be, you know, now out of work, and also they have children, and also the rent is due all of these things, you really are telling them that it's their fault, that they yeah. should have gotten organic food, like, you know, it it blows my mind sometimes how the messaging, and that's why I kind of say, like, how did we get here? As a yeah, society that's a great question. Where, that is a yeah. great question. <laughs> so what about you? What does a balanced diet mean to you? What does it look like? 
Does it mean that you cook most of your meals? Does it mean you restrict foods? Does it mean eating lots of fruits and vegetables, following the food pyramid, feeling free around food, trusting your body, acknowledging the reality and needs that you have? I want to invite you to spend some time now and to reflect on this for yourself. What does a balanced diet mean to you? And does that actually reflect you? Does it support you as an individual? Does this concept for you of a balanced diet take into account your cultural, moral, and possibly religious beliefs, your hobbies and activities? So therefore, what do you need to be worrying about, concerned about? What about your schedule and time? So overlooked. Your access to food and your budget, who you live with, your taste preferences. Please don't forget that. Also what you know about your body and maybe its needs. What about your cooking skills and the interest you have in food and food preparation? What about how much damn space you have in your fridge? These aspects, these considerations have to factor in to considering what is a balanced diet to you. And I wonder, do you notice an absence here of demonizing foods, an absence of rigidity? If your initial reactions on a balanced diet don't hold up to being sustainable in your life, that means it won't work for you. And that's okay. Keep fine tuning. This is a process I'm so privileged to support for my clients and I love doing. You know, an area of food that I never saw myself knowing about, discussing or intersecting really with health and well-being way back at university in 2015 was how food is political. And yet, Even though I never saw it coming, it's absolutely central to any discussion that we have about food because access to food is political. Ideas that we carry about food are political. What's considered so-called healthy to mainstream audiences is political. And Shauna shared with me how this shows up in food boxes in the US for those facing food insecurity and adversely affects the humans that need them by not considering the wider needs of humans when it comes to food. So here uh, with, you know, the food insecurity and um, I remember someone suggesting, you know, like the uh, food, we have food boxes that can um, go to people. And so, you know, even that, right. That's, I know it's better than nothing, but even then you really have to think about the cultural Um, aspect, right? You're giving somebody some standard foods. That's not always a part of their culture. Um, So it's in retrospect, yes, like we're getting people fed, but how would you like it if, you know, we all have tastes and we all have preferences, not to mention allergies and intolerances. So you're just like giving somebody a box of food, like, here you go. So this is really white supremacy showing up in food, in nutrition, and also really critically the research of all of this. You know, the white centric viewpoint of food is the dominant one. And it's also the same experience that both Shauna and myself had studying in the field. We learn all about the Mediterranean diet and its significant benefits, whilst at the same time, we do not learn about non-white cultural food values and staples. So this is part of the picture of how rice, which is a staple in many cultures, has become demonized. It's apparently not healthy. And how it's also not until a food has become whitewashed that it's deemed healthy and acceptable. 
those foods that you talk about, right? Like the ethnic foods Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we don't really study at first. So something like chia seeds, right? Or something like those, um, I'm trying to think of another one, like acai bowls, like things like that, that are from other cultures, right? Brazil and Mexico, you know, and it's like, the white culture, if you Mm -hmm. you will, um, you know, it's like you take that, right. And then it becomes like a health food, but Mm. you totally disregard where it came from. And that's sort of what also bothers me. um, Because now you're finding out these foods have existed. Like, you know, people are finding out now about uh, turmeric or turmeric, however you pronounce it. Thousands and thousands of years, right? Has been there for years. Okay. And it drives me nuts because it's like, oh my God, it's like the new best thing. No, Mm. it's not new. (laughs) You know, I mean, spice has been used for years. So it's, it's something like that, that, you know, I, it drives me crazy, Mm. but, um, it's, it's really not considered good quote unquote good or healthy until honestly, like white culture has gotten a hold of it. Well, I'm not, uh, Ethiopian, but let's take Ethiopian food, for example, that is very similar to Mediterranean food. And actually a lot of food from the African cultures are very similar, but that's not going to be as Mm. quote unquote sexy as the Mediterranean diet. Right. Um, So that's just one example. Another example. Yes. Like we talk about, so my dad is Jamaican, Mm -hmm. right? So I grew up with a lot of the Caribbean, um, you know, cultures and foods. And again, that food is, you know, regarded as not so healthy, but why isn't it healthy? You know what I mean? Like when you talk about a Caribbean breakfast, I remember my dad making like fish for breakfast with peppers and tomatoes. And, you know, there's something called kalaloo, which is essentially just like spinach and kale. It's a green, but again, not as sexy as the Mediterranean diet. Okay, so you have all of these foods. And I'll never forget, I took a cooking class. And um, the woman that was teaching, I believe she was Puerto Rican, Um, not sure, but regardless, right, she's cooking. And she uh, God, I wish I remember the dish. It was it was so good. But again, so many vegetables went in there. Mm. And she said she was like, very straightforward. She was like, listen, I'm really tired of people coming from my culture saying that Hispanic people don't eat vegetables. Look at all these vegetables in here. And it's like, you know, it's not as sexy, again, as a Mediterranean diet. Our point is that there are other ways to eat that, you know, where you don't have to make someone who is from another culture or who doesn't maybe prefer the Mediterranean foods uncomfortable telling them that their culture isn't healthy. And that, you know, I think that's, that's really the overall um, point, I think, of this is really just to make sure that we're not disregarding somebody else. When it comes to where nutrition science is at on this subject of a balanced diet, because I know you want to know, and that's great. The best thing here is that really not much has changed here for decades. The standouts are what I'm going to share with you now. And these are standouts that you probably know a lot about already, which is another great thing. So we require the majority of our dietary pattern to be in the form of carbohydrates. So that's grains like rice, bread, oats, pasta. It's all fruits and veggies. It's nuts, seeds, 
and legumes. So in Australia, this recommendation is between 45 to 65% of our entire dietary pattern. And this group, carbohydrates, also encompasses one of my favorite little nutrient busters, which is dietary fiber. Because fiber is part of every single plant. It's the literal structure and it's great for us to consume. So in other words, this is another reason why we require most of our diet to be in the form of carbs because fiber is included. So we also require, again in Australia, between 15 to 25% of our dietary pattern, please keep in mind, I keep saying pattern, in the form of protein. And that means animal and non-animal based protein foods. We also require to make up that 100, 20 to 35% of our dietary pattern in the form of fats, which again can be animal and non-animal based foods. So these figures are reflective of current Australian dietary guidelines, but they are remarkably similar all over the globe. This data is good. And most foods contain a mixture of these elements, these macronutrients. So for instance, yogurt contains all three and rice contains both carbohydrates and protein. When it comes to getting a variety, a balanced pattern, the fact that foods contain a variety of macronutrients is also how we get to balance without having undue focus. It's with curious discovery away from the external rules of diet culture and instead centering your own experience that you can determine how a mixture of foods like this within your meals provides you more energy, more satiation, and feeling good both short and long term. Now, I want to draw your attention to my use of the term pattern here, because when we're talking about balance, when we're talking about health and well-being and food, the pattern that we have is what matters. And that's also what dietary research reflects, the data in dietary research. We're not looking at one day or even one month of your life. It is what we eat most of the time as dietary patterns that matters for our health and well-being. And it's really critical here to be said that all foods can be part of a really balanced diet. Unless you are managing an allergy or medical condition, no food needs to be restricted. And the other aspect about food, despite what we read in headlines, we don't eat nutrients. We don't eat vitamin C. We don't eat vitamin K. We eat foods in their whole form which A, has a synergistic reaction in the body, which is not reflected in a lot of nutrition research. That doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It just doesn't have a lot of real world relevance. And it can dangerously send us down this rabbit hole of food as medicine. This is another area that Shauna and I discussed. I remember when um, people were like downing cinnamon because of yes. relation to like lowering diabetes. Maybe totally. they're still doing that. But things like that, it where it just blows my mind again, you know, because someone put out a headline saying yeah. that this was totally curable, um, you know, and all of these things. And, you know, this is going to get political again, but like here in the States, like, you know, healthcare access is a problem and medication is insane. So people mm-hmm. were looking for mm-hmm. an alternative. So I don't blame them for jumping down that down that path because, you know, insulin, like I said, is astronomical. Food is not medicine, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, that's again, where the media took, you know, 
something like a pinch from a study that was done and ran Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the amount of cinnamon that you would have to have um, is, you know, is not plausible. Our relationship to food is absolutely part of being healthy and eating a balanced diet. Because counting calories, fixating on food, and stressing about the choices, whether they're balanced or so-called healthy, that's not healthy. And it's also important to remember that whilst nutrition is important and can be part of both well-being and preventable health, it is just a part of the individual factors that determine health. And other individual factors include physical activity, drug use, sleep habits, stress, and even risk-related behaviors such as gun use. And this entire group of individual behaviors sits at 36% in determining our health. You know, earlier mentions in this episode of food security are relevant to health, as is where you live, your access to healthcare, and your genetics. But this is not the message we tend to receive, where it's apparently individual behaviors that are the whole health pie. So by now, you've really likely explored your own version of a balanced diet. You've considered the various factors that influence it. And maybe you're also straight off a diet, straight out of the dieting cycle. And if so, I'd offer that considering your nutrition specifics at this point, you know, how much percentage and and what type of foods you're eating specifically might actually be more harm than good. And through this process, do you have support? Because the right support can make this process more pleasant, absolutely. And also, can you give yourself more compassion as you explore? Shauna covered this area with a special mention around what might be a worry you have of not eating enough vegetables as you embark on this journey. Introducing foods that you were scared to eat. And even if that means maybe some days, like, you know, you might not be eating vegetables. You know, I know that's sounds wild, right? Like, you know, we're told eat your fruits and vegetables, which you should. But if you're in recovery, like, and I'm, and I don't mean to use that word loosely, like I'm very serious when you're in like what I call like diet culture recovery, sometimes you just need to get back into the mode of what does your body want? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it might mean like just having some cake because you've been avoiding it for this many years, you know, you're not going to be nutrient deficient from like missing a couple of episodes. Okay. Can I say Thank you. (laughs) I am clapping right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There is no one way to eat for every human, no best diet, no headline that's important enough to change your own eating habits. And we also don't need to compare ourselves to what others are doing. So yes, food is largely sociopolitical. I'm pretty sure we've made that clear. But eating has been made to be too complicated and it's largely burdened us as the individuals, which impacts adversely our relationship to food. So I invite you to consider all of the forces at play in your world. Define what version of balance you're seeking and what does that mean to you? What will it give you? And in reconnecting with your body, please acknowledge the time, the patience, and the discovery that you need, that we all need, because diet culture is the worst and we do need to recover from it. If you are ready to explore food and if it feels safe, get curious. It's one of the best attitudes to take, because this is also where the principles of intuitive eating align beautifully to support this process. 
where discovering a balanced diet that works for you is an ongoing practice in exploration, discovery, where each time you eat is an opportunity to learn something. So here's a practical exercise that you can use as you explore, and please come back and use this as much as you need. I invite you to ask, how does that food feel in your body? Do you feel excited and satisfied from this food, from this meal? Do you feel like this is another rule to follow? Can you sustain the inclusion of this pattern or this food in your life? How does the concept of thinking about things for the most part, rather than trying to get every single meal and day so-called perfect, how does that concept help? Do you like this meal, this food, or do you think you should like it? What happens when you eat this food in this way at this time? Come back to these prompts as often as you need. And if you'd like to review them, they're on my website, www.nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast. You'll also find the references for this podcast and links to Shauna's website and Instagram there. Over time and with curious discovery, body trust is built and empowerment in food choices that honor your various needs at various times as a complex human are the result. If it's available to you, please seek support from a non-diet and health at every size nutrition professional to support your own valid version of balance. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. If you'd like to get in touch with me, learn about my current group program offerings and client availability, the best way to do that is via my website, www.nadiafelsch.com. You'll also find my Facebook group, Food and Body Freedom, and on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is at nadiafelsch. Thank you.